Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Sunday, May 1st, 2016, and I have a special NFL draft version of the show. I would like to welcome onto the show a very special guest. A um okay, let me let me start this off. Got his undergrad in finance at Bucknell. Gonna come back to that in a second. Got his law degree from Rutgers. He is currently the managing attorney at the Kim Law Firm LLC and, of course, a proud sponsor of the Sam Sports Show. Also happens to be a longtime friend of mine. And uh, so before I, before I start this off, I'm just going to a little anecdote here. This man went to Bucknell, proceeded to tell me that uh, Bucknell, um, their, their tagline was, We are! course, you know, me not knowing that that is Penn State's tagline proceeded to meet many Bucknell people at a particular event and start shouting, we are, to all these people who I then got a weird look from. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who set me up in this wonderful situation, Richard Kim. Welcome to the show, Richard. Sammy, thank you very much. Yeah, that was a good time. I'm glad it worked out well for me. <laughs> I, um... I clearly know that uh, that is not the tagline for Bucknell now. Uh, well, it, it's a lot more fun because uh, saying we are in a crowded room of people uh, is a lot more fun than saying uh, nothing, which I believe you would be saying if you're trying to support Bucknell. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was worth the, the strange looks, to say the least. That did happen. I did go somewhere, and, and like it was like, a buck, like I met someone from Bucknell. I was like, we are! Strange look. Strange look. Yeah, that's how we roll, Sammy. That's how we roll. I know, I know. So, Rich, listen, let's get let's get right to brass tacks. We brought you here to talk about the draft, specifically the Philadelphia Eagles picks. Uh, just jump right into it. What do you think about the picks? Why don't you start off with Carson Wentz? I mean, that's the biggest one out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we could talk about this for days, but... Um, my uh, my initial thoughts are just um, I, I'm not sure where uh, where where they're coming from for this thing. I mean, they, they gave up a lot for the number two pick yes. for quarterback, absolutely um, of the future. Um, and you know, it's it, it's a questionable, it's a highly questionable pick, right? I mean, all last year when uh, when we had a lot of talk, and I still believe. Um, that the Eagles were, uh, I, Chip Kelly in particular was trying to get Marcus Mariota. There was, uh, you know, this uproar about everything we'd have to give up to get him, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. how it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just got a, you know, he's got a hard on for Oregon mm-hmm. players. But I mean, look, yeah. um, Mar- Mariota was been uh, probably the best, uh, I, I mean, in my mind, cause I've seen the play uh, on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the, the best quarterback options to come out, uh, in the, in the last five years, I would say. Yeah, um, le- like you think maybe the best options since Andrew Luck, would you say? Since that draft class of Andrew Luck and Robert uh, Griffin III. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I would say since then. Um, so, you know, you know, nobody's a short buyer king, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's just ironic how everyone, uh, how Chip Kelly comes under fire. For potentially uh, getting the for trading up to get trying to get uh, Marcus Mariota, yeah. But then um, there's not nearly as much, in a sense, fanfare over 
Eagles trading up to get uh, to get Ethan number two pick on Carson Wentz, which yeah. I, I thought was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It was really interesting because Carson Wentz is probably as much. Look, I, I'm not at the combine. You know, very few people are. But I mean, he's a one double A guy that's shown a ton of success, has all the intangibles, and um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like a Joe Flacco type of uh, pick, like somebody who's dominated. Uh, the one player, you know, the FBS or FCS like up uh, division bowl or whatever, uh, on a different uh, in, a, in a different league competition, and um, you know, people take a chance on them. But to give up what they did uh, with a team that's rebuilding um, is just really strange to me, and like it, it makes me think a lot of uh, the Denver Broncos, right? Mm. I was just mm. I, I was just curious, right? So I look at the Denver Broncos. Um, who took Paxton Lynch? That's who they ended up going with. Well, you know what? They took Paxton Lynch, but before that, I I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was like last four or five years with their first round pick. They took a defensive player, uh-huh. so they have like four or five first rounders on that defense. Uh-huh. Von Miller obviously is great. Yeah, um, and and a bunch of other. Uh, players on that team when they were rebuilding, when they were trying to uh, turn it into something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it paid dividends because, you know... And that defense offense, won the Super Bowl. That de- well, who was that quarter... Uh, uh, you know, uh, of washed up Peyton Manning? Yeah, like, I mean, Peyton Manning throwing Manning like wet fish 10 yards down the field. And that's the thing. With a rebuilding team... Um, you, you got to put your money on the defense because those are the players that more often than not um, have seemed to bust out in a sense uh, mm-hmm. less than the offensive players, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have more picks, you can go deeper and take more defensive players. And it just, it, it really, taking a quarterback right now didn't make that much sense to me, especially when I don't see, um, I don't see either. Golf or Wentz being particularly special compared to the guys that are coming out in the following years, uh, like you, like you're you're really getting a sense that Golf and Wentz, both of them, are not of the caliber of like a Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, because we essentially saw the same thing happen last year. We saw a one-two punch of two highly touted quarterbacks who have come in and, listen, in their rookie years, I don't think Mariota or Jameis Winston were particularly disappointing. I thought they both, you know, showed up when they needed to show up, and they both got some room for growth. But it sounds to me like you are very clearly saying you do not get that sense from Goff or Wentz, and it almost feels like, this is, you know, you know, you know, you know, the NFL doing what it does, kind of getting excited over quarterbacks and possibly finding out that they might win the Ryan Leaf. Like th- these guys could, they could both be Ryan Leafs, and we don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, like, what is it about Carson Wentz that's that's kind of giving you pause? Well, you know, it, it's it, it's just that nothing about him. Well. Every, no matter who the top quarterback is year after year, he's going to have a great arm. He's going to be because we're talking about the best quarterback in the draft class. So it's going to be the same year after year. There's going to be a guy that's athletic, big arm. Um, one guy, you know, a couple guys might be more pro ready than others because you know that's always the plus they always say about somebody. But then the other guy who's not as pro ready always has more upside. Like that, that's yeah. what they were kind of like saying about Winston last year. Mm-hmm. Winston is more pro ready than Mariota. Mariota was running. 
you know, that uh, like a more of a college offense. Game. Yeah, that yeah, Oregon he was offense. Spread. He wasn't taking the uh, the ball from under center, things like that. But Mariota has uh, has has pretty good upside, and maybe more upside than Winston. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, they say that every year. But here, um, it, it's also more notable the fact that like these guys, like I don't see Carson. Uh, another Carson Wentz being available next year mm-hmm. or the year after that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're sacrificing depth for a guy. Uh, look, and he could end up being a great player, like a, a, a real solid player. But I, I mean, even if he ends up being like uh, like a Drew Bledsoe type of caliber, um, uh-huh. or he's just on the edge of being really good, or even Joe Flacco at times, I would say that like Joe like on the edge of being a perennial. Right. Part of me, even if that happens, part of me says, um, you know, then maybe the this ends up working out. But ultimately, um, unless that happens, sacrificing depth for a quarterback that uh, that apparently would be available with that skill set from year after year uh-huh. uh, don't make sense to me at all. Like, like they paid a pretty high premium to go to the number two pick to go get this guy and you're straight up like, yo, we could, we could find another one next year. There's nothing. He doesn't strike me as anything, uh, anything, you know, and when I say anything special, I mean, look, he's a great talent. He got, he got taken, uh, with another two pick overall. There are guys poking, prodding this guy. Hopefully there's Um, like, you know, a mental element. They've interviewed him. They like him. They've talking to him. They, they know he's not crazy. I mean, I like his size. I know he's a big guy. That's one thing going for him. Yeah, but with the Eagles having what uh, one of the worst defenses in the league last year. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, they have one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, they're all did okay actually statistically. Um, but uh, you know, they had what like the thirtieth ranked offense in the league last year, mm. and you're going to go with what? I, I think they went with like the first. Four or five picks on offense. Yeah, they did. It was it was four straight offensive picks, and then I believe four straight uh, defensive picks. Yeah, um, you know, and if you're gonna keep so, and that gets into another probably uh, another uh, time that we can talk because it's a whole different topic. But um, gets me the Chip Kelly situation. If you're gonna go that heavy on offense. Um, you might as well have somebody that's offensive-oriented back there. I mean, Doug Peterson, we'll see what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I, I, just don't, I don't know where this is coming from. Well, um, there I, are a ton of defensive players in the draft this year that would have – I mean, we have holes everywhere on defense. Well, well, here, let me – before I – because I kind of want to get back a little bit to Carson Wentz for a second, but – to, uh, tell me, I want to hear more about some of the, what did you think, like a defensive player? All right, if, if the Eagles don't take Carson Wentz with the number two pick, they go get a defensive player, you know, let's say they had the two pick and they, you know, aha, we decided to take a defensive player. Who do you think they should have gone for or pulled the trigger on? If you had the number two pick, Rams take Jared Goff, who do you think they should go get? Yeah, I, I, look, if they, if, if they still trade up for a pick, Mm-hmm. I think they got to take a defensive lineman. Um, I think like Joey Bosa would have made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even at the number eight pick, uh, you know, assuming DeForest Buckner's still gone and the draft goes essentially the same way that it uh, that it went, mm-hmm. I, I think Eli Apple also makes sense there. I mean, the Eagles have so many holes on defense that it's just like 
and I guess they spent a lot of money on offense to keep the, the key pieces there. So, yeah. Okay, I get that. Um, but the holes on defense, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. To me. I mean, I'm a little, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a moment right now to defend the defense because I personally, this is this is a, a personal thought that I've had that I actually think uh, this is a good time to have it come out. Rich, you make a really good point. Um, I think the defense is not as bad as it seems. I think that the it, the numbers got skewed last year because of Chip Kelly's high-powered offense that left the defense on the field more than any other team in the league. And I think some of the numbers are a little distorted because it's it's not highlighting how much great play they had. The truth is you put them on the field long enough, you play them enough, they're going to get exhausted and they're going to give up points and give up big plays. Um, I think there's holes in the defense, but I do like some of the things the Eagles have done to plug them up. Like, you know, I I like that they um, – who are the who is the secondary that they got? They locked up Malcolm Jenkins, um, but uh, they picked up a few other, I think um, – I think they got a safety. They got – what was it? Rodney McLeod. Um, they got yeah. a few – they got a few of these guys to play uh, – um, who did they um, – Who's the linebacker they just picked? I feel like we've we've recruited all these old school peeps that were playing with uh, Jim Schwartz in Buffalo. Leotis McKelvin they brought in. Um, I mean the thing the thing that scares me is that they're street free agents. You bring in a street free agent, there's a very good chance they're not going to fit in, and they actually don't do any good whatsoever. Um, and they're usually there's usually a reason why they're a street free agent. So. Um, is there a couple of holes that you can point out that you're sort of like, you know what, this was a clear sore spot last year for the Eagles, and we didn't do anything in the draft to fix this part on defense? Yeah, well, you know what, I think I think the Eagles, if they had their starting linebackers, and um, mm. they're pretty they're pretty solid, mm-hmm. but you know, there were injuries all across the board on defense, um, and you know. I don't, I don't even know who the final uh, uh, starting linebackers were for the Eagles. Um, I mean, I, well, it was supposedly going into this year, you were going to see Kiko Alonso again, but that's not going to happen. I think you're going to see uh, Michael Kendricks, Jordan Hicks. Um, I can't think of the third one right now. It's, he was he was on the tip of my tongue. Pra- Brandon Graham. I think is Brandon Graham going to be a, a linebacker? Depending on the scheme or how they use him, um, he could be a DN or he could fall uh, into a linebacker situation. Because I've seen him play in both. Um, yeah. So he's kind of like one of those tweeners for the DN linebacker uh, position. But but still, you know, even to, to stick with this defense and to stick with your point about there being holes, you know, they still have not locked up Fletcher Cox. This is still a big question mark. The the fact that they have not sealed the deal with him. And short up that defensive spot is is gives me pause. Um, you know, I like that they did lock up uh, uh, Vinnie Curry. I think Vinnie Curry's the one they signed up. But um, you know, to come back to your original point, they didn't draft a lot of. I mean, how many D linemen did they take? Like, I think they took like a a, a, a defensive end and an inside linebacker with their last two picks in the seventh round. Is that accurate? Yeah. Let me. I think that, let me see, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think they, they ended up taking right. Uh, like, fifth or sixth pick, they started taking two uh, defensive players, and they took, like, two or three towards the end. Yeah, here, um, after Carson Wentz, they take, I got it right here, they they take Isaac Sam- Samalo, a, an offensive lineman. 
They take Wendell Smallwood, a running back. They take, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Halapulavata, Halapulavati Vaitai. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how you say it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, it is straight up. uh, He's an offensive tackle from TCU, but then they go on a run of defenders. They take Blake Countess, the cornerback from Auburn, Jalen Mills, safety from LSU, Alex McAllister's the defensive end from Florida, and then Joe Walker is an inside linebacker from Oregon. And there now the some of the articles I've been reading is uh you know I I try to I try to ride the the ESPN wave and you got Phil Sheridan uh, does a lot of articles for um, uh, ESPN he covers the Eagles he was mentioning how a handful of those last couple of picks that they all got in the seventh round they were all guys who had questionable pasts like they had some incident where they either got arrested or they were charged for something where, you know, their their value dropped because of that. And the Eagles were like, listen, we've got three picks in the seventh round. Let's just go in and scoop up some of these guys who are probably underrated because, I don't know, they, they the cops got called to their dorm room a couple of years ago, and, you know, it was probably no big thing. Yeah, um, I, I know they did that with uh, one of the running back gets from West Virginia. Wendell Smallwood, 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 yeah. Yeah, he had some kind of run-in uh, with the law, uh, and, you know, hopefully everything's fine there. Um, yeah, here, so Smallwood was investigated for witness tampering in a murder case. Like, Actually, wait, 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 can we just take a second? Witness tampering in a murder case? Yeah, what the, you know. Like, how do you get, around. how does that come about? <laughs> you know, um. How do you get I, mixed okay, up in something these, like that? Yeah, I, whenever I see these kind of picks, I, you know, especially from the Eagles, I'm just like, it's very confusing. I mean, I always like to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they must know something that I don't. Right. But that's the sixth round. Um, and especially as running back, you know, running back stacked in, uh, in college uh, level um, with a bunch of guys who are super athletic, uh, Played well at whatever level, and um, you know um, you could take a shot on them. So even at the fifth round, I gotta think that there are other people out there uh, that don't maybe have the issues that Smallwood uh, had in his past. So I mean, look, you've seen how that turns out a lot of times. Um, these question marks uh, and the sorted past situations—it it usually doesn't work out. Um, you know, well, uh, you know. Case in point, recent history, uh, uh, Manziel, right? Like yeah. Manziel, uh, <laughs> he's still drafted high, uh, even though he's got this checkered situation in the mm-hmm. past. Um, mm-hmm. The only guy that I can really think of uh, that can continue to have issues uh, when he got to the NFL, despite that kind of past, was like Randy Moss, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Other I mean, than that, every time I hear something like these guys usually don't pan out because of these issues, uh, because they have like discipline issues. Yeah, because the 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 issue is usually a symptom of whatever problem they have, whether it's a behavioral or behavioral behavioral issue or you know some type of discipline issue like you said and it you know it it amounts to something else I mean I think that's what happened with Joseph Randall last year with the Cowboys I mean 
what he was arrested for like what a, a traffic violation or a misdemeanor and then he gets arrested again and inevitably you know he got cut and and he had a game last year where he ran for three rushing touchdowns in a game and a few weeks later he was out of a job Now, um, it's funny. We're talking about Wendell Smallwood, talking about the Eagles drafting a running back here. It, it kind of makes me like want to think about what the Eagles have with the running back situation right now. So we still have Ryan Matthews. So DeMarco Murray's gone. We still have Ryan Matthews. We still have Darren Sproles. We still have, I think... Um, I think Kenyon Barner is probably still on the practice squad, something to that extent. And now we're taking Kendall Smallwood. Um, is there anyone else I'm missing? Is there someone I, I didn't mention? No, I think that's about right. Um, like, what do we think of that running back situation? Yeah, well, that situation is like, you know, again, it's like it. I don't know what they what they're thinking. I mean, so. Ryan Matthews is, uh, I mean, he's basically good for about five games a year. Yeah, he's good. Um, he's good for five or six games until he hurts something, and he will yeah, hurt something, something. Yeah, he'll get hurt. I mean, and he's a great talent. You see him playing, and you're like, wow. I, I mean, I can understand why he was a former number one pick. Yeah, he's. Pick. I mean, he's great. They thought he was going to be. They thought he was going to. They were uh, LT was going to pass the torch to him, and the touchdowns were going to continue. Yeah, that didn't work out. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's not going to work out at all. Um, so I, I can understand uh, a pick at running back that I, you know I, I don't question. Um, I just question, you know, uh, what the small would. I mean, look, his bad speak for themselves. I mean, he had fifteen hundred yards rushing at West Virginia. Um, he was the Big 12 leader, you know, he, he had all the stats. Um, so I, I get I get a running back. I just don't get Wendell Smallwood. Uh, and I get a running back, yeah, especially given the, who they have in there. I mean, it, it's an aged backfield on top of it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Darren Sproles probably yeah. this might be his last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess it probably made sense for them to draft a running back because, I mean, you said it all of a sudden when you're looking at your core being Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles, that's – you got to plan for the future with that. You got to. And, and, but, again, the, the running back position is so has so much depth, um, and that's why they do running back by committee partially. I mean, the other part is obviously – to keep people healthy, but um, there are running backs out there still. Uh, you know, for even for a small amount of time, that if it's for a year situation, all you got to do is pick up somebody that's pretty, uh, pretty decent. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody a stopgap for like a couple of years, uh, which makes sense for running back. So you know, the Eagles take a chance on uh, on Wendell Smallwood. We'll mm-hmm. see. Now, can we actually let's I kind of want to go back to Carson Wentz for a second, because I feel like he's going to be a topic of conversation for years to come. Uh, This is really this is it's it's like, congratulations, Carson. It's begun. Philadelphia fans are now going to be talking about you for for many for for a who knows how it could be a couple of years. It could be 10 years. We're going to find out. Um, So uh, to go back to him. 
I'm, I'm kind of thinking between he and Jared Goff. Now, I already kind of had a feeling that the Eagles were going to go with Carson Wentz. I, I mean, I don't know. There was, I don't know why I had this sense that the Rams were going to probably take Goff. But did you have any idea or thought of, or you know, was there any mystery in your mind, Rich, of where this was going to go? This could very easily have been the Rams taking Carson Wentz and the Eagles taking Jared Goff. And let's let's go down that rabbit hole for a second. What did you think about Jared Goff, and was there any sense that you know he was a better option for the Eagles than Carson Wentz? You know, I, I think um, I think it would have been fine either way. Um, I think Wentz is the more developmental player of the two, um, whereas uh, whereas Goff uh, is more of the, you know, step in and play now um, and put up uh, uh, workman-like numbers as a rookie or first year and hold mm-hmm. us in there because uh, you're better than whoever we have here um, and yep. you'll do a better job than the, uh, whoever we have here. Oh, you mean Nick um, Foles and Case Keenum? Yeah, exactly, whoever we have here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, these guys who are mopping the floor and occasionally playing quarterback. Yeah, I mean, dude, it, St. Louis's uh, quarterback situation is just a disaster, um, and it's probably, you know, and there's such a coin flip between the two. And Goff is ready to come in and play, and now they're in LA. Um, it probably adds to ticket sales to um, again coin flip add to ticket. Sales. So yeah, I, I get the Rams uh, picking him, um, but yeah, I, I think it's the same situation either way. If, uh, whoever the Eagles take, because they signed a. They signed um, Stan Bradford to that big contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, either way, whoever they brought on was going to sit for a couple of years. Now, let's talk a little bit about this quarterback party that the Eagles have essentially spent millions of dollars on this Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, now Carson Wentz situation. So let's let's talk about the 500-pound gorilla in the room. So as soon as the Eagles go and trade for this pick, Sam Bradford essentially gets his panties all in a bundle and starts, you know, does not make it very secret that he wants to be traded, he wants to be off the team. Uh, I, I think that is still very much the case right now. Um, you, you know, unless things have changed, I don't know. I'm going to, right now that's what's happening. Um, what do you think of this whole thing? Do you, did you think that the Eagles were going to go and shoot the moon for a number two overall pick after they had signed Bradford and Chase Daniel? And, you know, A, did you even think that was going to happen? Second part of the question is once it did, ha- once it did happen, how do you think this is going to shake out? Like, does this mean Bradford for a year and then Wentz next year? Does this mean Bradford, then Daniel, then Wentz? Does this mean Wentz this year? I mean, what do you, what were you thinking when all this happened, Rich? I was shocked, frankly. I mean, I follow, I follow the Eagles pretty closely. Um, I was shocked that they traded up because, again, it, it goes to that situation where I don't see Goff or Wentz being like a once-in-every-even two- or three-year count. I, I, I think guys of that caliber come out every year and, you know, I'm ready to be proven wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And I hope Carson Wentz comes to be a perennial pro, pro bowler um, and works out great. But um, I really think that the type of, you know, once-every-three-to-five-year uh, once type of talent came out with uh, last year with Winston and Mariota. Um, and then before that... Uh, with uh, RG three and uh, and luck, and, um, luck, and luck. 
Um, so, you know, although, you know, RG3 isn't doing that great, I, I think he'll have, he may have a resurgence over uh, – Cleveland. I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt in Cleveland. Let's I I really like Hugh Jackson and I think he's good with his players. That's I, I'm kind of curious to see how it's gonna shake out. I am too because I, I mean the the guy's great. I mean uh, you know uh, the guy's great. I, I I like his demeanor, the way he plays. Um, you know I he's exciting. Um, I just don't know what happened to him in Washington. I, it's got to be some kind of lost confidence thing, maybe because he has all the talent in the world and he's one of those guys that you. Uh, so, I hope RG three does well, and I, I, so ultimately uh, we'll see. But RG three, um, that class was uh, it was like special. It was, it was it was special. Yeah, and I don't see that here. I don't see golf, and I don't see what's being stuck. I mean, could they be solid backup? I mean, solid starters in the NFL? Yeah, they could be, but I don't think there's a, a huge drop. You know, the Scots will say it differently, but I didn't see uh, there being a huge drop-off from a talent perspective. If you're going to make the guy sit for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, I don't see a huge uh, drop-off talent-wise between uh, uh, the next quarterbacks taking, like, uh, Hackenberg, yep. Lynch. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? If, you, if you're going to make them sit again, we don't know what you're getting with those guys, but you do know you're getting some talent um, that you can develop. And and if you could tra- trade down for more draft picks too at number eight, I would have traded down for more draft picks. Yeah, um, you know that's that's what I would have done because I would have gone deep. I would have gone guy like Eli La- Apple. Um, you know I would have probably gone with a guy uh, like uh, uh, um, like Shaq Lawson. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, these guys, these these tenacious defensive guys who you know could really help the team right away. And, you know, and the other thing is, too, um, Jalen Smith, I mean, you know, he put, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, as you know, and uh, Jalen Smith was one of the top-rated uh, mm-hmm. linebackers mm-hmm. Uh, coming into the draft. And, I mean, you trade down, look, he's not going to play in 2016, but you got to take a shot on that guy. Um, if, if you're going to get extra picks, let the guy sit. Because uh, yeah. you're potentially getting a, you're potentially getting a, I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to be Von Miller, like, but uh, he had that ability to be injury because I've seen the guy play and he was amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no. th- I, I feel like, uh, and you're right, I think if the Eagles had traded down, they absolutely could have gotten a little bit, they, they would have certainly been in a position to get more assets to fill in the team more right now. Uh, what I do see happening is, this is in some ways the very common tale of a new coach. In some regard, this is kind of Howie Roseman's renaissance. It's almost like it's, it, you know, I know he's back and he's back to the old, you know, way of doing things, but there was essentially like a hiatus. Like there was a couple of years where Howie was not running the team anymore. And, you know, now that he's back, it's like a new regime is back and they want to make a stamp and they want to not get fired in three years. And, you know, as I, like I was saying, the common tale is, well, what do you do? You go and you draft your franchise quarterback. You draft a guy who you know is going to be the focal point of the whole franchise for the next five or ten years. And, you know, it worked out when they got Donovan McNabb, and I think, you know, they are shooting for the moon with Carson Wentz. And the fact that they went and signed Bradford and Chase Daniel before they did all of this is showing us that they – they mean business. They're kind of saying it's so costly to find this important player who's going to fill this position 
that it's worth it to us to blow all of this cash on multiple options, even annoying and aggravating Sam Bradford um, so much so that he wants to be traded just to hedge our bets so much that we will be in a position that one of these guys is going to work out. It almost sounds like the Sixers, you know, tanking every year because they're like, well, at least we're going to get as many darn draft picks as possible to, to strike it rich. All we need is one. You know, all we need is, is, is Sam Bradford or Chase Daniel or Carson Wentz, one of these guys, to turn into a legitimate quarterback who has, you know, more wins than losses at the end of the season. Um, I mean, do, do you think that we're going to have Bradford for a chunk of this year and Daniel's going to take over? Like, is Sam Bradford starting all 16 games this year? Uh, no. Uh, okay. If, <laughs> I love your bluntness. I love how you were just like, um, no. Yeah, I don't see it happening. I mean, all 16 games? When was the last time you started all 16 games? I I think it was four or five years ago, if that. If that. I don't even know if he ever has. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if he started all 16 games in the NFL. Um, So, if okay, he, he doesn't start all 16 games this season. Let's just say that. So, are we going to automatically say that Chase Daniel has to start. Like, will Carson Wentz start at all this year? I guess it depends. I mean, if he comes into camp and you know blows, you know blows it out and just has a stellar camp, they move him ahead of Chase Daniels, and then uh, Chase Daniels is still the backup. Um, but if it looks like he needs more, I, I think the whole thing with the Eagles and their management um, is that. They don't want to rush this kid uh, based on what's happening and what they did. Um, because regardless of whether I agree with their strategy, um, it's, it's well, I mean, every, you know, you can't be in this game without uh, thinking things out very thoroughly. So um, they probably thought that they were going to get a quarterback this draft, um, regardless of whether they can trade up for number two or what have you. Um, and that whoever they got still would be some kind of developmental player, whether it's number one or number two uh, pick mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. a 30th or 40th pick, um, mm-hmm. like a Hackenberg or something like that. Right. Um, so they got their pieces in place. They paid uh, They paid good money for fouls back in Chase Daniels. They, they paid very good money uh, for a starter um, who is kind of questionable mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. terms of health and consistency. And, uh, but they know that they were going to be solid in a sense with those two in place. Mm-hmm. And then they went out and got a quarterback. So, I mean, at least the strategy is in place, um, whether or not I agree with it, which I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, listen, it's, uh, it's, it's not the most ideal approach, but you said it yourself. You understand it. You get it. You, you can, you see that there is a plan and that they are clearly putting themselves in the most opportunistic position so that one of these guys has got to work out because I don't think we're, you and I or any football fan out there is going to argue about the fact that if you don't have a starting quarterback, you don't even have a chance to compete in the NFL. And what's amazing is there's 32 teams in the NFL and we can't seem to find 32 human beings on the planet who can, who can start for every single one of these teams. You notice that? Oh, yeah. Look, it's a a very limited uh, group of individuals that can do this, you know? Yeah, the the amount of people is very, very small. And I guess in some ways you got to do whatever you can to just find one of them. 
It's the, the speed of the pro, of the professional game is very different from the from the college game, and everyone learns it real fast. Or they don't, and they're not and they're not playing long. Yeah, yeah, and they don't get any minutes, and and all of a sudden it's like, oh well, uh, yeah, you're on the practice squad, and then uh, oh, actually, yeah, you've been cut. Uh, sorry, go home. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you know, history tells us that there's a lot of talent outside of that first round for quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say, uh, pull it up here. It's hard to say, but um, I think about 25, maybe 20% of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL came outside of the first round. Like, wow. I know Mettenberg, yeah, like Kirk Cousins was the 102nd pick. And I mean, he, Russell yeah. Wilson, man. Russell Wilson, Kirk, I mean, Kirk Cousins looks great. I, I, I don't like the uh, idea of the Eagles playing against him, uh, but... That guy's playing extremely well. Um, you know, uh, Tom, Tom Brady goes without saying. Tom Brady, Tony uh, Romo. I don't. Th- I don't believe Tony Romo was a first-round pick. No, Tony. Uh, Tony Romo. I mean, well, let's, you know, I'm kind of curious about that. Uh, Tony Romo. I mean, what, what I love is we can keep going. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe was a first-round pick. Ben Roethlisberger he, wasn't a first-round yeah, pick. He barely snuck it in uh, as a first-round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he did? Um, oh, yeah. Well, he definitely rode the bench behind Brett Favre for a while. Favre, yeah. B- B- <laughs> Brett, what about, you know, your friend, Brett Favre? <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that's the thing. Um, There's just so much talent. Look. And it, again, it, there's I mean, it's also showing us that this draft and this combine, I mean, how much stock can you really put in any of it? And, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard because uh, that's the only real measurables we have to go by to pick these guys. No, that's um, true. Now you make a good point. And, and so that's what you got, but it doesn't just translate. And sometimes, you know, you got to – when there's a situation like this, where there's uncertainty uh, with these picks, um, with the quarterback, I think you wait and you take again. I think I think you you take a, a Lynch or a Hackenberg or something like that later in the draft. Um, because again, like Tyrod Taylor, uh, that he looks like he's the, uh, he's going to be the starter for the Bills going forward. And, uh, who was it? Uh, their former starter, Emmanuel, or uh, EJ Manuel. Yeah, EJ Manuel. Um, and he was what? He was definitely a first rounder, and he's definitely not the solution for the Bills going forward. No, he's not. No, he's not. So it, it's just. Uh, I mean, it's oh, it's God. finding a quarterback's a dangerous business. Yeah, I mean, I just I started laughing because I was thinking about the other Florida State guy, uh, Christian Ponder. Oh, Christian Ponder. There's another example of a guy who, you know, and Minnesota gave him a shot, man. Like, they they gave him the keys to the car, and he did his the best job he could. But, I mean, sometimes you can't 
I don't know, man. Like I, it's hard. It's really hard to sort of just put some type of label or intangibles. I mean, who's to know when, you know, Blaine Gabbert, like, I mean, Blaine Gabbert looked like a real schlub in Jacksonville. And then he had a bit of a resurgence last year. And, you know, some of these guys, like, I think it, it's a, it's a chemistry issue. It's an organization. I mean, who'd have known, who, who knew if Sam Bradford would have performed better if he didn't have four different, you know, offensive schemes that he played in the span of five seasons? Uh, you know, it's, there's something to be said for continuity and culture. Um, you know, I mean, is, would Geno Smith have benefited from being in a different organization, you know? Yeah, Geno Smith is one of those other guys that, um, yeah, you can't say sometimes until they just get in the right situation to him. That's the other aspect of these guys. Like, I mean, Kirk Cousins, um, he just, he was in the right place, right time, and right organization, right yeah. system. Yeah. And he was given time. I mean, he was the, he was the 102nd pick overall. Yeah, he w- dude, he was the same draft as Robert Griffin the third. I mean, they, the, the, dude, the Redskins straight up took two quarterbacks in that draft. And I mean, I mean, it's fun in some, yeah, it's, it's totally ironic. And it's crazy that there would have been any forethought to think, you know what, let's get another option. Yeah. That worked out in their favor. They drafted captain Kirk and, and he's, he's getting a payday. He's getting a nice franchise tag this year. And he, he's probably the happiest person with a franchise tag. Cause he's like, I was making peanuts before this oh yeah yeah that guy that, that guy's gonna go on and buy himself a Kia for sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> can I, okay um is sam bradford justified in being upset right now and should the eagles trade him and i guess the last part of that is is a trade even possible well, let's see to answer that question, we gotta look at who who's in the market, right? Yes. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona takes a look at him. Carson Palmer still got a couple of years, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But you know, Falcons have uh, Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. the Ravens have Blacko. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the Bills have an answer with Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, Panthers got Cam. Chicago. I mean, Jay Cutler, for some reason, is still a starting quarterback in the NFL. So if you're going to start him, I guess there's a reason he's going to stay the starter. Yeah, he um, he is the he is the he's the biggest non-superstar superstar. Oh, he gets paid like a superstar. Actually. Yeah, but his play has. I mean, I mean, it feels like it wasn't that long ago when he took the Bears to the NFC Championship game, but I I think it kind of was like five years ago now. God, I don't even know if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it did. did that, really do that? that dude, Cutler did that, and then he got hurt in the NFC Championship oh, game. Oh, Rex Grossman was playing, right? No, I think playing? I think it might have been like um, Caleb Haney or one of those other guys. Maybe. I, I think that was the year the Packers won the Super Bowl because I think that NFC Championship game was a Bears-Packers game. Yeah, Jake Cutler. Yeah, um, Jay Jay Cuddles. It's a uh, it's a little, yeah. Again, the non superstar superstar. Was he? He was a first round pick. Cutler, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was taken high, from what I remember. He was 
top 15 pick. Dude, um, I mean, he and Brandon Marshall put on a show in Denver for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. I remember he was uh, he was bragging about how big his arm was. He got a Vanderbilt. That's I right, Van- Vanderbilt. I, I remember that really well because uh, my cousin – Sam, my other my cousin Sam was at Vanderbilt around the same time, so he was always like, "All right, Jay Cutler, famous girls loved him, autographs, etc." Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody's got to love him. I'm sure the Bears fans don't, but <laughs> no, no, I'm they're they're looking forward to uh, you know, it's it's funny to think about that as maybe you know Sam Bradford having a landing spot with Chicago. I did. Uh, this is just uh, just hit the presses today. Um, the Chicago Bears signed Brian Hoyer to a one-year deal to be the backup. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's coming to Chicago. So I guess I guess Bradford probably is not going to land in Chicago. That's the thing is, like, who's going to trade for him? Like, this is not, you know, he can he can huff and puff all he wants, but he's not going anywhere. And, you know, he's making a stink right after he signed a $36 million two-year deal, and they're straight up like, listen, man, yeah, we drafted a future quarterback, and he's probably going to take your job in a year, maybe less, but right now, you're the man. We're not even splitting hairs about it. We are saying it in public. We're going to give you the rock unless you do something drastic in training camp like not show up or get hurt. You're going to be the starter, so now just shut up and go to work. It's like... Wherever else you go, you're going to have to prove yourself. At least here, you've got some street cred. You know, take the ball, go win some games, and show us that you deserve to be here longer. Yeah, I, I you know, when I think about it, I have mixed feelings. Like, guys are 4-1, four and one, uh, four, number one draft pick. Uh, I don't know what representation that, you know, uh, management for the Eagles have made to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he probably has this big chip on his shoulder, like, you know, uh, Maybe that yeah, maybe I don't know uh, that he feels like they may represented to him. Maybe that he was the guy of the future. This yeah. and that, whatever. So what happened though? I mean, they only signed him really to a one-year contract with an option, right? Yeah, like, I yeah. Mean, they they can get out of the deal if they need to. Yeah. So I mean, look. No matter what they said, they gave you a contract that represented something uh, completely different. If that if that in fact what he's upset about but I haven't heard that what, I, what I've only heard is that he's upset because of the drafting and if that's the, if that's the only thing that's going on here um, yeah I mean he doesn't really have a right to be upset he, if, you, if you want if you want to be the starter then earn the job and you know this is like a Drew Brees situation right um, when Drew Brees was he, he came off a pro bowl year I think and then they drafted um Philip Rivers. It was Philip Rivers. Yeah, Phil Rivers, yeah. Phil Rivers after uh, Drew Brees comes off a Pro Bowl year because I think he ended up having shoulder shoulder surgery. It was was they – he had played very poorly, and then they hit the toilet, and they were ready to draft someone, and then out of the blue he had a great year, and they were like, oh, we were ready to totally fire you and cut you loose, and then you had a great year, and they franchise tagged him for a year. Yeah, but then, and then they still they still drafted Philip Rivers after that good year, though, right? Yeah, they That's did. That's what I remember. They did, and they, you know, they they I think Rivers rode the bench for like a season, and then that was the year where Breeze, you know, I, what was it? I think he tore his rotator cuff in the in literally the last game of the season. Yeah, um... and that was when he went to he interviewed with Miami and he interviewed with New Orleans. 
And uh, the Dolphins were like, you know what? We're not really sure about your shoulder. We're going to go with Dante Culpepper. And- <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and the Saints were like, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll roll the dice on you, Drew. You, you look like a pretty good option. We'll sign you. And, you know, that's an interesting thing because um, it goes back to the point that you said earlier. Like, a lot of quarterbacks thrive under systems and, you know, coaches who understand to develop things around them. And if they do that, then these guys can, you know, they can play uh, play through the room. So, you know, New Orleans put a system around him um, to make him one of the most uh, prolific passers in NFL history, Dude, right? Absolutely. So, it's it all depends. You know, I think it's successful uh, success comes down uh, for quarterbacks to, you know, what they do individually. Um, it really is almost nearly dependent, obviously, on blocking the team, you know, so on and so forth. But the, the willingness of the coach – to to adjust and amend and mm-hmm. improvise with the talent that he had. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, look at the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that that was, that was a smash and run smash ball defense where uh, you you run the ball like three downs and then uh, you play defense and this and. Yeah, I mean, they had they had Jerome there. Bettis. That was a completely different football team when they won the Super Bowl ten years ago. Yep, and look at them now. I mean, with Ben Roethlisberger, that. That offense has changed, and uh, I mean, look, when he stays healthy too, um, which he has been, except for you know recent history. Uh, he, I mean, he's one of the best uh, best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, man, and he is. You know, that's just it's it's funny how we kind of forget some of these guys who are amazing, and we just kind of glaze. It's like you know, no one's talking about the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't had to deal with who their quarterback's going to be for the last ten or fifteen years because they got a guy. You know, or you know, it's always funny when I'm thinking about the San Diego Chargers talking about moving on from Phillip Rivers, and it's like, dude, there are not many of these guys out here. Sign the guy. It's like you might have problems on the rest of your team, but you know one thing: this guy is a great quarterback, and he's going to do a good job. Pay him and be thankful for the fact that you don't have to go through year after year, draft after draft, street free agent after street free agent, Josh McCown after Luke McCown, trying to find your franchise quarterback. You got one. Pay him his money, let him do his job, and try to put a good team around him because if you do your job decently, it'll hopefully equate to a Super Bowl. I mean, like, it's can Sam Bradford be that guy? Rich, is Sam Bradford that guy? Yeah. Um, I think he has the talent too, because when he's playing well, um, it you know, no question why he was the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, you know, there's just too much questions with the durability yeah. um, and consistency still. Uh, so I, I think he can, um, and that he has that kind of talent. But nothing in his track record shows that um, that he will. Do you, do you um do you think he played well last year? He was in spots. He, he played well in spots, and so um, again, I don't know if it's one of those system things or what. He wasn't used to uh, the offense that Chip had in place, but um, it was just too inconsistent. But the, the offense was too. I mean, there was a, that that offense is based on momentum, and a lot of drop passes were happening, and so I don't know. It's always a team effort, right? So I don't know if those drop passes were affecting him because. You don't want to go back to the same receiver if he keeps on dropping the ball. and But, you know, you don't have options sometimes when, you know, there aren't that many people to throw the ball to yeah. on that offense. There was, I mean, when they lost Macklin, 
you know, Matthews became the, the your leading receiver. He's not a, a speedster. Nelson Aguilar, I mean, he was a disappointment. I, I really hope he bounces back, and I hope we start to see some promise from him because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel like as an Eagles fan, we were getting used to drafting some talented wide receivers who panned out, you know. Jordan Matthews panned out. Macklin panned out. Deshaun Jackson panned out. You know, Nelson Aguilar, you know, he had a little bit of a – of a of a fart last year and I kind of hope he comes back and, and you know and puts on the the jet fuel and flies down and has some 60 yard touchdown catches but, uh, but until that happens let's just call him Freddie Mitchell for now okay? <laughs> <laughs> he's Freddie Mitchell in my mind until that happens give me the Fred X give me the fourth and 28 or the... <laughs> oh wow I know but you know yeah Fred X Mitchell um yeah Nelson Aguilar I, I do think he'll turn it around, and I think he'll have a good year. But, um, yeah, Freddie Mitchell. That's yeah. what I think of whenever I see him play. Yeah, it's, it's listen, until he proves something more to us, that's what he's going to be. He's going he's gonna to not catch the ball for, you know, for 80% of his catches, and then, you know, like he'll have one or two great catches, and you're like, oh, I guess he's not that bad. Or, or what was that other guy's name? Uh, like, uh, was it David? David Brown. Who other, uh, oh, oh, Reggie Brown. Reggie Brown. The Reggie guy. Brown, yeah. Reggie, yeah, maybe, I, was, I, was, Reggie Brown. I was just thinking of him because I was like, who was the dude who took Tio's number who was supposed to be good and then was like, okay, but never really that good? And I was like, oh, right. Reggie Brown. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was, uh, he Wonder yeah. what happened to that guy. Yeah, I don't know. At least Jason Avant <laughs> has a job somewhere. Well, Jason Avant was always solid, and uh, he wasn't. We didn't take him high, um, you know. He he was a solid player. What out of Michigan, I think. Yeah, um, and t- he and was he was a solid guy who who knew where to be. You know, he was the guy who knew that the play had broken down, and he needed to get back and help his quarterback. So, so in terms of value uh, production for the pick that was taken, I mean, I. Jason Avant was uh, was very good in my mind for for where he was taken in the production and uh, the things that he did for the Eagles. Um, no, I agree. He, he yeah, so, yeah. something about him doesn't fit with other coaches aside from Andy Reid. Because once Reid got fired, Chip Kelly ran him right out of town. Uh, he went to Carolina. He didn't fit in in Carolina either. And then he landed with Kansas City. And I mean, he's still there. You know, again, coaching, culture, organization. Sometimes these guys just work well with particular people. Yeah, and they see what they're, and I think part of it is too, uh, good coaching, you see what the uh, what their strengths are, and when they recognize their strengths, they understand, uh, and they have a certain system in place, they put them in uh, where where they make sense, and I think that's a big reason, again, like Chip Kelly uh, likes drafting Oregon players, because he knows their strengths and how they fit into this system, mm-hmm. um, so I think coaches that do that uh, are, are are very successful. I mean, Bill Belichick does that all the time, right? Yeah, he does. He is he's really a whiz at trying to figure out the 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 way to get the best out of the players he has. Yeah, I mean that's that's good coaching. It's good coaching. Um, yeah, Rich, you know, I think that's all I got, man. I think we talked a lot of uh, a lot of Eagles, a lot of draft picks. Um, I think we might need to have you come back on the show again to do a specific Chip Kelly debriefing. Do you think that's something we could plan on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd 
absolutely. I, I'm available whenever you want me around to talk uh, Chip Kelly because uh, I think he's going to do well in San Fran. Yeah, that's and I think there's a lot of uh, Philadelphia fans who who have a thing or two to say. There's a lot of venom out there for Chip Kelly, and you are someone who I believe you know, is not ready to spit venom at him, but has a lot of faith in him. And uh, I think that's a perspective that uh, a lot of listeners would want to hear. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, I, I know people aren't happy with him in the least in Philadelphia, but, um, you know, he's a talent. The fact everyone knows he is. I just don't know what happened with the back office and him management, but uh, he was locked in the market for, like, couple weeks and San Francisco picked him up and signed him to a lucrative contract so it's not a matter of talent that was ever an issue with Chip Kelly because he's a he he's one of the best uh, I think and he's an innovator and uh I think he's gonna do well with Jeff Rack. all right well dude that definitely that is a ringing endorsement for you coming back on to talk more about this because we're gonna want to hear more of your thoughts on this um absolutely man Dude, this was uh this was awesome. I'm going. Is there uh so I'm gonna plug uh Rich. He um please go to his website uh thekimlawfirmllc.com. Um, is there anything else you'd like to uh to plug or tell us about the law firm at all, Rich? No, uh, we're a Philadelphia-based law firm that does civil litigation. Um, you know everything ranging from personal injury to breach of contracts uh, and in between. Um, we're litigators, and uh, if anything has to go to court, uh, we're here for you. Um, and we're always here to talk football. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, it's the Kim Law Firm LLC dot com. What's the telephone number again, Rich? It's eight five five nine nine six six three four two. Eight five five nine nine six six three four two. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and as always, um, you can find me, Sam Rosenberg. You can uh, email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy. Send me comments, thoughts, feedback, mailbag questions. I want to hear all of it. Go to my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Like my Facebook page. And you can also check out my podcast, Sam Sports Podcast. You can Google it. should be real easy to, to pop up. And uh, we're going to be talking more sports soon. But... Um, I just want to thank Richard Kim for coming on the show. This was a real pleasure, and uh, I had a lot of fun. Thanks, Rich. No, thanks for having me, Sam. Look forward to speaking to you again. All right. Um, guys, we will talk to you later. Take it easy. Bye-bye.